Thank you. It is, it's good to be back. And hello to those of you who are online. It's good to be here. It, Penny and I actually have been uh, attending for uh, several weeks now. And uh, this is the first time speaking, and I'm happy to do that. And I'm also happy to tell you how thrilled I am to continue to be a part of this church as a member of this church and serve in any way that I can, driving the, one of the trucks to pick up vegetables uh, every third Friday for the care center, and I'm loving that, and I should get a truck driver's hat if I'm going to do that, and, uh, and I've done some workshops already for those of you who attended the women's Bible study on Wednesday night and, and Real Moms, so I've been kind of back in teaching, and I'm glad to. Uh, also, this past Wednesday, I was invited by Barry to surprise the lead team at their strategic planning retreat to come and, and be a guest chef to do a meal for the lead team. Last, last Wednesday night, we did a nice pasta bar, and it was a lot of fun. And it was good for me to be able to sit for just a short period of time and hear them wrapping up their conversation about this new membership um, focus here at Grace, and I'm pumped. I'm excited about it, and I hope I'll be here on May 19th, and I hope you will be as well or online. And also, I want to tell you how proud I am of this lead team and the governing board for the way they have led this church through this last year and a half. Uh, it's, a been, it's been amazing. So yes, everybody applaud for these people. They're amazing. This is the right team at the right time, and I'm glad to have been here at the birth of Grace Church, and I'm glad to be here at the rebirth of Grace Church. These are good times. All right, I love our house, the one that Penny and I have lived in for, it'll be 30 years uh, soon. Uh, I love our house, I love our property, our yard, and I love the neighborhood, especially because of the large, mature trees. Now, I should say that most of the time, I love those large, mature trees. But too many times every year, they cause me a great deal of stress. And it's not just in the fall when the leaves number the sands on the seashore. Um, I'm talking about when a storm is coming. Ice, snow, wind. Too many times, I would lay awake at night worrying that a branch would fall on an electric line because of all those trees and take out our power. And sure enough, it happened a lot of times. And when it did for long stretches, then I would count the number of hours, if it was a long, long time without electricity, I'd count, have to count the number of hours until the food in the fridge or the freezer would go bad because I've got to keep the door closed the whole time, right? And then I, occasionally I'd wake up at two in the morning to get the flashlight, go into the basement to check to see if my two sump pumps had overflowed and water was in the basement. Very stressful, and I know these are first world problems. I, I, I realize that these are first world problems, but it was stressful. And finally, having endured this for a number of years, my neighbor and I, who's in the room with me right now, and I decided to invest in a generator. It's a very expensive investment, but we split the cost of a generator to at least be able to plug our fridges and freezers and our sump pumps into. And the pro so the problem was solved mostly until one day when the generator would not start. And it would not start because I had not read the instructions. 
And the instruction said, do not let old gas sit in the tank or in the carburetor for too long. Make sure you drain it or burn it off. And I did not follow the instruction. And so, yes, the carburetor had gummed up and the carburetor was jammed and I had to replace it. So I had to go across the circle to my neighbor who is really a handyman. And I had to ashamedly say to him that I have not taken care of my equipment. Can you help me? And so we traveled around town till we found the carburetor and we re he replaced it while I watched him uh, do that. Uh, all I'm trying to say is there's a lot of stress in owning things. Now, with my anxiety in mind, I want you to hear the words of Jesus on this topic. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and lack of electricity disables them and water ruins them and old fuel gums them up. <laughs> Not literally in the Greek. Uh, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So, of course, that's a paraphrase, um, but it speaks to my experience. Final week of our series, Tidying Up. We've been doing some spring cleaning of our souls. Let's call it soul maintenance. And it's true, right? It's true, isn't it? That over time, our internal selves, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls, they tend to get disordered um, like mine did in the past year. I'll bet yours did too. There were times where it just didn't, I didn't feel right and things were just disordered for all the reasons, right? See, when our internal selves are not well maintained, they become dysfunctional. We're less able to love, less competent in our work, less grounded in our spirits. And so for the last four weeks, we've been taking a stab at bringing order to our internal worlds, our internal selves, by, as Barry suggested in the first week of the series, sparking joy inside of us by pursuing God's justice in the world. Or as Tim suggested and reminded us in week two that sometimes we need to work on healthy introspection of the anger that's within us so we can eliminate that anger. And then as Amy wonderfully suggested last week, while this is going on, make sure that we're taking care to mix in community, mentors and friends who will help us move toward health. Our last focus this week will be on eliminating some of the stress that can bedevil us. The idea today focuses on the replacing of our material-related stress with kingdom-focused generosity. Replacing material-related stress with kingdom-focused fo generosity. Now, caveat, this is not about the evils of money or material things. I'm not, and Jesus certainly was not suggesting a prohibition on wealth. He was not even recommending a downsizing getting rid of our stuff. What this is really about is the accumulation of or amassing of or piling up of or hoarding of 
or coveting of material things, watch this, in such a way that they control what you think, control how you feel, and control what you do. What this idea about today is shifting the focus of our desires and our attention from the stuff of earth to the stuff of heaven. It's a big values clarification away from acquisition and toward contribution. It's about replacing your material-related stress with kingdom-focused generosity. So, grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and let's read what Jesus had to say about it without my uh, added commentary. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, and where thieves break in, actually break through, it was referring to breaking through the mud walls of their houses, break through and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, or will also be. Now, in the world of the text, this bit of Jesus' teaching is from a much bigger document. Perhaps it was in one sitting he gave all these teachings. Perhaps it was an accumulation. But it's from the bigger document from what most people call the Sermon on the Mount, which is my absolute bottom line favorite piece of scripture. If you took everything else away from me, don't take away the Sermon on the Mount. I love the Sermon on the Mount because it is a manifesto. It is Jesus' kingdom platform, and it is brilliant. In it, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus touches on many of the values of heaven relating to anger and sexuality and marriage and revenge. And he talks about enemies and judgmentalism and religion and prayer. And here, he talks about money and possessions. Look more closely at verse 19. Don't store up treasures. First of all, the tense of the verb there is, uh, is present tense. What he is actually saying is stop it. Stop doing this. And then there's two words, the exact same word in different forms. Storing up and treasures is essentially the same word. Stop treasuring up treasures. Stop treasuring treasures. And I might paraphrase it this way. Stop stockpiling your stockpile of stuff that you think you need to feel safe and satisfied. Now, my dad's old workbench is a great illustration of this. I loved my dad's workshop. I would sometimes go down there by myself to play around with it. They were the really old tool. It smelled musty. You know when you have a memory that not just captures your mind and your mind, but also it's in your taste buds or in your, in, in the odors. I can remember the musty smell of these old, very ancient tools and doodads and gizmos. He had all the things. And I love going down there and I love paying attention to this. Uh, and there's a reason why my dad had all of these things. And it was, it was 
for just in case. Just in case. For those of you that are Enneagram fans, I think my dad was the supreme six. He was always thinking, what if? What if? He was planning ahead, just in case. And I wonder, like my dad's workbench, if how much of the stuff that we all accumulate is similarly for just in case. So we never run out or we never lack. We don't ever risk wanting anything. Well, Jesus gives us two reasons to stop this, to stop amassing things. One of them is negative and the other reason he gives is positive. So here's the negative reason. Stuff has a shelf life. Stuff is temporal. It either deteriorates, gets lost, is thrown away, out of date, gets stolen, or ultimately, now Jesus doesn't say this, but I think we can extrapolate, or ultimately our stuff is simply left behind. If Jesus had given the Sermon on the Mount today, I think he might throw in this phrase, you can't take it with you. Now, Randy Alcorn, in his book, Money and Possessions in Eternity, speaks to this. He says, the way we scurry about accumulating things is testimony to our unspoken doctrine that we are exceptions to the law of death. Now, if you think you're an exception to the law of death, well, you're not. You're not. And you can't take stuff with you. The impact, though, watch this, the impact of the threat of the deterioration of things or the constant need to manage our things or the thought of losing our things can and does create great stress. I believe it is true that the more you amass, the more you worry. Just two weeks ago, I had a um, conversation with a man. I I just bumped into him and in my office, um, who just over a month ago, I think it was the last week of March, lost his entire house to a house fire here in central Indiana. Now, it was sad. I'm, I was shocked. I'm just, as he was describing, I'm describing what happened and the flames and the smoke and the destruction, I was fascinated how the ultimate in material destruction, a house fire maybe near the ultimate in material destruction, had forced his family into an instant values clarification. And as he sat there talking to me, there was no agitation. He was more philosophical about it. He was glad they were safe. He was glad they had each other. And interestingly, I'll come back to this in a couple of minutes, he was glad that his wife saved the pictures. And I'll talk about why that's important in a minute. Though all their treasures were gone, he seemed to be at peace. He was shockingly subdued. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but is it because suddenly he didn't have any stuff to worry about? So why replace a fixation on the material with one on the eternal? I would suggest it's stress reduction. But there's another reason Jesus gives for de-emphasizing material things, and it's a more positive reason, and it's this. There are better things to amass. He calls this better stuff 
treasures in heaven. There are better treasures. Look at verse 20, if you still have your Bibles open. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. He's talking about better treasures. Now, treasures in heaven was a concept that was well known in Jewish literature and philosophy of the day. Treasures in heaven was really, they understood it to be the stuff that had eternal significance. Maybe compared to verse 33 where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. He's talking about the values of the kingdom of God, the things that arise from the heart and the will of God himself. Heaven's treasure. Let's, let's do this for the, for the next few minutes, minutes. Let's compare two piles of stuff. We're going to compare American treasures with heaven's treasures. Now, I've chosen that phrase, American treasures, for a specific reason, because I believe it corresponds to the mythic birthright that we feel we all have or are shooting for or are aiming for, and that is the American dream. It it, it is something that people try to describe in different ways, but it boils down to three things as far as this is my definition of the American dream that we all have at some point or that dominate our lives. And it's these three words describe the American dream. They all start with S. The success security, and satisfaction. That's the essence of the American dream. I want to be successful, I want to feel secure, and I will always want to be satisfied. So then, if that's the American dream, then American treasures come from those values. For example, I want... If I'm pursuing the American dream, I want the things that will make me feel successful. Even when I just look at them or I experience them. And some people take this to pretty extreme measures so that they have something that is even ostentatious to be able to actually say to themselves, well, look at that, I must be successful. It's because that's our dream. So we have things that make us feel successful. Secondly, we have things that make us feel secure because that is also a value of the American, American dream. Or things that make me feel satisfied, which by the way, that's a moving target, right? That's a moving target. And so we're always adding the things that make us more satisfied. American treasures are the things that convince me of my well-being. They're the things that convince me that I'm okay. The more American treasures we amass, the more we solidify in ourselves our own sense of well-being because, you know, just in case. But the problem is, like what I said before, the more you amass, the more you worry, right? So Jesus suggests better treasures. What might they be? Well, they're not things at all. Heaven's treasures are not things. They are values where there is no need for things. Heaven's treasures never get stolen. They never deteriorate in any way because they are at their most basic. Heaven's treasures are stories. 
Now do you see why it was so important to this man and his wife to save their pictures? Because every picture is a story and they were hanging on to the stories of their lives. That's an eternal thing. That's, that's an eternal treasure. The stories of our lives. So may I give you a list of heaven's treasures the way I imagine them? There's the story of a child who was once food insecure but now has enough to eat. That's a treasure in heaven. There's that teenage girl who is rescued from being trafficked. That's heaven's treasure. There's the family who came to our care center and received an interest-free loan to begin rebuilding their lives. That's a treasure of heaven. Or the lonely senior adult being visited and loved on by someone or that baby that was saved from an abortion, or that suicidal, depressed woman who is cared for back to mental health. It's a treasure of somebody's grandpa being gently loved and cared for as he struggled in the ICU with COVID. There are the people of color beginning to feel hope as their community starts to work hard on racial equity. These are treasures in heaven. There is the rainforest being replanted after having been destroyed. There is an animal rescued from the abuse of testing. There is the sun returning home in repentance, being welcomed with open arms. There's that whole family in joy, surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. These are heaven's treasures. They're just some of the billions of heaven's treasures. And I picture, this is my imagination, but I imagine heaven's treasures are all in picture form. A constant, constantly rotating series of images of the broken places of the world being healed. Watch this. Healed by the work and generosity of God's people, especially those working within their calling. I'm talking about American treasures versus heaven's treasures. One pile is the product of acquisition. The other pile, the product of contribution. One pile, the result of self-interest. The other, the result of self-giving. One pile is about me, one pile is about you. One pile leading to increased stress, the other leading to increased love and joy. Jesus wraps up this mini statement about possessions with this mic drop. Look at verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So if your treasure's our American treasures, well, that's where your heart's going to be. If your tre or treasures are heaven's treasures, that's where your heart's going to be. But don't mistake what Jesus was saying when he used the word heart as a way to describe just how we feel, because that's what we think of when we think about the, the heart has come to be the center place of our emotions, and it is. But in, its, in his day, when you talked about certain, some person's heart, the heart represented to them all the things of a human being. The heart represented what you think, what you feel, how you feel, and what you choose to do. Your heart was you. Your heart was all of you. As a person's heart was the totality of a person. 
the very center of the human soul and spirit and thoughts. It was a compilation of a person's mind, emotions, and will. So what Jesus is saying is, where your treasure is, there, that's where all of you is going to be found. This is the place with, where your whole being will be the most invested. Wherever your treasure is, that's going to take up your mind, it's going to generate your emotions, and it's going to force your hand. Now, I would suggest that Jesus is not saying that we need to set fire to our American treasures. He's not saying we need to roll up a dumpster, throw everything in and get rid of it, although some of us could probably use a dumpster or two. He's proclaiming that when we generously engage in the healing of the broken places of the world, when we generously engage our whole selves with our time and our talent and our treasures, in the, when we engage in the broken places of this world, we begin to experience a massive values clarification. Not just the tidying up of our souls, but the renovation of our lives. So my friends, give your life to accumulating heaven's treasures. Your stress will diminish and your joy will skyrocket. Let's pray. So, Father, um, uh, I just want to step back and thank you for this entire tidying up series because it's been important for me as I've considered the reemergence of joy in my life, as Barry suggested in week one, the, the need for joy in my life. And it has been, there have been many moments in the last year that have not been joyful. So thank you for that reminder. Tim's important reminder, as I've been processing in the last year, the last four decades in my life, and there have been moments where anger has risen and it has been so good for me to deal with that straight up. I'm still dealing with it. It was so helpful to be reminded by Amy as I sat here last week thinking, oh my gosh, who are my people now? Who are my people and, and who will help me in the next phase of my life? And then this thinking about what is it that I value? Where is the treasure of my heart? Is my life, what is my life centered on? Oh, this is all good, so thank you. This has been good for me. I believe it's been good for all of us. We're grateful for it. But I also want to end, <coughs> I want to bring some people to you, specific people, that um, even the talk of material things is <coughs> complicated and hurtful in some ways. <coughs> because there are, there are people that are just absolutely struggling to get by these days. I get it. There are some people that, I mean, they're not even thinking about their thing. They're trying to figure out how they're going to wake up tomorrow morning and not be so depressed that they can't, they can't function, or people that are struggling. I mean, we are, uh, we're in one of the worst times, mental health times in, in the history of our lives. So I bring all of those people to you as we all struggle with the need for the transformation of our souls. May those folks in particular find you. May they experience your love, which is always there for them. Feel your embrace be drawn back to the safe place of your heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.